Remember when you first got saved and you were so excited, you whistled, you sang, you may even had a spring in your step, you may have skipped down the hallway. You were just excited to be saved, to have your name written down, you were a child of God. You were going to heaven when you died and you sang about it. And the, the, the shame is oftentimes we grow up. You know, I think we need to adopt the idea of Peter Pan. Wasn't that his desire that he would never grow up? We don't need to ever grow up spiritually to the place to where we can't sing about what God did for us. You need to adopt that mindset of praise out of the mouths of babes, he's perfected praise. I don't know about you, but I'm already glad that I came this morning. I knew I needed to be here, and there was something on the inside of me that said I need to be here, and uh, I wanted to be here, but after I got here, I am so glad that I came, and I know that you're glad you're here today, and we're glad that you're here today. If you're visiting with us, be sure, fill out one of the connection cards so we'll have a record of your visit, and I'm looking forward to what the Lord wants to do in this service today. Last couple of days, two or three days, I've been in California with my wife and daughter, and as I told my Sunday school class this morning, it's a little different out there. Uh, there's some good people out there. Don't get me wrong. They're not all bad. And just like us, they need the Lord as well. But there's nothing like being at Central Baptist Church on a Sunday morning. And I was looking forward to getting back here with you. And I hope you've been looking forward to getting back together today. And the good news is we have a guest speaker today. Uh, he's not really a guest. We've known him for a while now, Brother Brian Treadway, Operation Go Ministries International. Excited to have him here preaching for us here today. Did a soul winning clinic for us, I think, year before last um, because of COVID. We had a lot of things going on and had to postpone that. But when I found that he was going to be in the area, uh, I asked him to come and preach for us on a Sunday morning. I don't normally give up our Sunday morning pulpit, but knowing someone was going to break the word of life for us this morning, speak to us through the word of God. I, I'm looking forward to that myself, being refreshed by the, the word and what the Lord has for us today. So Brother Treadway, you come preach for us this morning, and let's open our hearts and our minds for what the Lord has for us. God bless you, preacher. Well, it is a joy to be back at Central Baptist Church. Thank you so much, Brother Andrews. And uh, I'm amazed he's even staying awake and, and walking after the, uh, I think he said exactly 72 hours from the time he left to, to get here. So y'all pray for your pastor, but I love him. I tune into the service every now and then and listen to him preach. I love to hear him preach and tremendous man of God. So I'm honored to be here. And I do want to thank you, Central, for your support of our ministry in Operation Go International. And the Lord has been so good. I don't have the time this morning to tell you everything, may say a few things tonight, but uh, just pray the Lord help us. Uh, since you've been supporting us, what I can tell you just in the last little over a year or so that y'all have supported our ministry uh, through Operation Go International, we have helped train in that time over uh, 20,000 national preachers worldwide in 90 different countries. And we've helped plant over 15,000 churches in the last year and a half or so. And so I praise God for his goodness and, and your missions dollars going a long way every time you help us. And I want to thank you for that. We've got a lot going on. Lord willing, we've got a big partners gathering next month in Pigeon Forge where we'll be casting the vision for uh, next year for 2023. And Lord willing, in January, I'll be stepping in the role, taking over as president uh, of Operation Go International. Brother Woods not uh, quitting. He's just stepping aside, and he'll still do what he wants in the ministry with my blessing and, and support. Uh, but you pray for that, that the Lord help us. Uh, a lot of international traveling. My wife and I in two weeks will be in El Salvador, and I'll be doing a, a conference there for about 200 or so national pastors. And then in uh, September, I will be in, I just went blank, the Dominican Republic. And then in October, we'll be in Papua New Guinea holding a conference with about five to 600 preachers from all over Papua New Guinea. And then in November, I will be in the country of India 
and then try to make Bolivia in December. And then in February, I will be in Kenya, Africa, and in the Philippines, uh, preaching there at the Spiritual Leadership Conference there in the Philippines, and also holding a, a separate conference when that's, uh, once that's over. Pray for us. We're building a training center in Kenya right now. Uh, the building is already, first floor is already being built, and uh, we broke ground about two months or so ago. I don't know exactly when, and uh, hope to have that completed. We'll be dedicating that in February. That training center in Kenya will be used to train preachers from all over Africa, just like we did in India, and also used as an orphanage. We've got about 78 kids that our ministry is responsible for, and that will be the home base for that. And uh, Lord willing, we're just on track. I think we uh, got a little bit left to raise. We had all the money raised for the land had already been purchased, well purchased, fence put up, uh, and the money for the building, but then inflation hit. And so you pray the Lord meet those needs. But I do want to say thank you and just give you a quick update. I do have our July letter, and uh, I've took over writing the newsletter for Operation Go starting July. And I do have some copies of that letter if you'd like to see what all's going on in, in, in Latin America or in Asia or in India or in Africa where we're working, what's going on here in the States. You can see my wife, and she's got those available. And then I do want to quickly mention... We've got a missions trip our ministry is offering to Kenya in December. If you're interested in that, you can get a brochure on that. That's available to anybody. You don't have to be a preacher. If you want to go, we'll be doing some evangelistic services. And then we have a unique opportunity. Brother Wood led the man to the Lord that runs the uh, safari uh, for the number one safari in Kenya. It's the one presidents, senators, representatives go to. And uh, normally that would cost you anywhere. The cheapest version would be around four to $5,000, most expensive about 10. And we can do that for under $1,000 per person. And uh, so we're going to take three days and let everyone that's with us go on that safari. So if you're interested in that, we had the brochures on that. Mark chapter number five, going to jump right in this morning. And again, thank you, Pastor Andrew, so much. Thank you, church, for your faithfulness and uh, looking forward to the day and uh, been had a good week and preaching revival and then so honored to get to be back here. I count it an honor and a blessing. Mark chapter number five. Lord willing, I'm going to try to be more of an encouragement tonight, and I'm going to try to challenge us this morning. So please make sure you're in your place. I know that means a lot to your pastor and more importantly to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Mark chapter number five, very familiar story, but uh, just want to draw a truth from it today if I can. Mark chapter number five, verse number 18, and when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Now understand this is a story of the Gadarene maniac. He's gotten in the ship where the Lord's gotten in, going back to the other side, and this Gadarene maniac says, Lord, I want to be with you. But verse 19, the Bible said, Albeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then I'll give you my thought this morning. Father, I love you, and I'm so thankful for the privilege to be in your house this morning. Thank you for this pastor, for this place. Thank you for this people, and I pray that you use me. I, as he said it, I don't take it lightly that he's allowed me to stand in his place on Sunday morning. And God, I want to feed your people. 
challenge them, and I, Lord, I want to encourage us and strengthen us. So use me today in spite of me. May the word of God go forth, and Lord, if there be people here, and I'm sure in a crowd this size, there are people that need to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray you would save them today and do a work, and then for Christians, God, that you would help us. Thank you, Lord, for already what I've felt. Thank you for the theme of the church this year. Now is the time, and God, help us to see that today. Bless all that will be done in Jesus' name, amen and amen. There's never a case, uh, when you read this story, it just reminds me, there's never a case that's too hard for our God, amen? I mean, if you know this story, this man is, is filled with, with a legion of demons, and the Bible said in verse number three that his dwelling was amongst the tombs. No man could bind him, not even with chains, and Verse 4, because he had been bound with those fetters and they had been plucked asunder by him, he broke them. And the Bible said in verse 5, night and day always he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying, cutting himself. And then Jesus shows up and the Bible says when Jesus shows up, uh, he comes to Jesus and I got several messages out of that, but not preaching them this morning, but because he comes to Christ, God gives him what he needs. And, and this, uh, if I could put it this way, this new dude in a rude mood winds up being, the Bible said, clothes, sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. What a blessing. Do you remember the day that the Lord puts you in your right mind? By the way, you may not have been in the shape this guy in, but before you're saved, you're not in your right mind. But thank God when Jesus came to where we were and saved us, we are in our right mind. But I want you to notice a couple things that's interesting to me when this demon-possessed man shows up to him in verse number 10. Uh, the Lord asked him what the, what the demon's name was in verse 9. He said, my name is Legion. In verse 10, he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now that word besought means to beg or plead or to pray with passion. And so this, this demon speaking for the other demons there, in verse number 12, they, they besought him. Again, that means to beg and to pray, saying, hey, there's a herd of swine, a herd of pigs, and uh, don't send us to the abyss. Don't send us to where we don't want to go. Would you please just let us go into those pigs? And what's amazing is the demon prayed. The demons are praying for more time. They're praying for, for, for mercy to not be put down in the abyss. And God answers their prayer. That value of swine that would have drowned that day was around $225,000 worth of pigs. And, and those demons jump in them and immediately run down to the water and, and the whole, a whole herd dies. But God, did you notice though they're demons? I believe there's a message in there that, that, that even the demons knew how to get a prayer answered. And I got a message on that, on how to approach the Lord in prayer, but I'm not preaching that this morning. And then down in verse number 17, there's another prayer that takes place. These people find out that the demon man, the man that they couldn't do nothing with, the man that they had tried to bind, the man that they had chained up, the man that they had isolated, they, they, they found out that he is better and that he's been helped and so they come. But mostly they're coming because they've heard these are farmers, these are men that, that depend on the livelihood of those pigs and they have heard every one of your pigs is dead and it's Jesus' fault. 
And in verse number 17, this crowd shows up when they ought to be thanking God and praising God, when they ought to be begging the Lord to stay and do more great things. In verse 17, they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Could you imagine that? they, They look at the Lord, God has just worked a miracle, and their response is because they're more concerned with their pocketbooks and their comfortability and what they have. They say, we don't want you here. It costs too much. Before we jump on them Gadarenes too much, I'm afraid America's about in the same boat, and unfortunately, I'm afraid most churches are in the same boat. We're more concerned with the herd of pigs than we are the power of God. We're more concerned with convenience and we're more concerned with our carnality and we're more concerned with our comfortability and we're more concerned with what we can have than we are the power of God. And sometimes the power of God and the presence of God and the peace of God and the miraculous saving power of God, it makes things uncomfortable and it may even cost us something. But how could you put a price on a soul? Jesus said, what would a man give in exchange for a soul in this man that religion had not held? Society had not helped. Politics had not helped. Jesus helped and saved. And all they're concerned about is their money. So they say, we want you to leave. We don't want you here. And the Bible said they began to pray him. So notice this prayer. The first prayer in verse 10, the demons pray and say, God, give us more time, please. We don't want to go to the abyss. Just let us go on the pigs. God answers that prayer. Verse 17, these citizens who are backslid, many of them lost and need to be saved. They they pray for Jesus to leave. And he answers that prayer. But I see a third prayer, and that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes this morning. In verse number 18, this man that is saved, this man that the power of God has helped in his life, verse 15, the Bible said this crowd saw him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Would to God we would have churches and Christians afraid again of what God could do. Would to God, Hattiesburg and Bridgeport, Michigan, where I live, and every other city would be afraid when God shows up. There's no fear of God anymore. But notice this demon-possessed man, after they pray for the Lord to leave, Jesus gets in the ship. His disciples get in with him. And in verse 18, when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him. Notice this prayer. Lord, you just done a great work in my life, and I don't know exactly what he said, but I'm sure. Could you imagine, Brother Andrews had no idea what I was preaching, and he talked about when you're first saved. When you're first saved, you don't care how, what people think. You don't care what people say about you. You, don't, you think everybody else ought to be saved, and they're going to want to hear it. I mean, you'll tell everybody, and it's not long. We learn real quick, everyone don't want to hear it, preacher. So we get quiet. We lose the joy and the newness that we've just been delivered from hell. This man comes to the Lord and says, hey, you've done a great work in my life. You've delivered me. You've, you've cleansed me. You've changed me. I was up there cutting and, and, and I was up there crying and I've, I've been in a mess and I've been dwelling amongst the dead and now I'm with the living. Ain't that exactly what salvation does? It takes you from death unto life. What a picture. And he says, Lord, let me just go with you. Let let me just spend time with you. Let let me follow you. Let me be in your presence. Let me bask in what you've done for me. 
in this third prayer in verse 19, howbeit Jesus suffered him not. Wait a minute. Lord, you'll answer a demon's prayer? Lord, you'll answer the prayer of backslid people that need to be saved that's telling you to leave because they're more concerned with their pocketbooks than they are the power of God? You'll ask them to, you'll answer their prayer? Of the three, who do you think, who would you think he would be willing to answer? It would be the man saved, clothed, sitting at his feet with his right mind. Jesus said, I'm not answering that prayer. I'm not going to let you stay with me. In verse 19, he said, here's why. I want you to go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Here's my thought this morning. Why did the Lord tell this man no? Why would God answer a demon's prayer and answer a wicked crowd's prayer, but this man that's saved, clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind, he says, I'm not answering your prayer. I believe the answer is very simple. And the answer is because Jesus knew and believed there was a hell and knew that it was more important for this man to be out there telling people what Jesus had done than in the presence of Jesus enjoying what had been done. And I'm afraid, if we're honest this morning, church, that we as children of God, we ought to rejoice when we come to the house of God. I believe in praising God. We're not at a funeral this morning. Our God's not dead. He's alive. It's okay to say hallelujah and glory to God. My salvation ain't based on emotion. It's based on faith. But I'm glad I've got a faith that feels. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. The only fire I'll ever feel is what's burning in my heart heart thank God I'm saved and I'm secure in Jesus this morning but may I say to you and I that I'm afraid many churches and many Christians we're enjoying the presence of God we're enjoying the power of God in our life and we're basking in all the blessings of God and the benefits of God when the Lord is looking at us saying you need to be doing something other than just enjoying what I'm doing you need to be telling what I've done in your life we have the answer. The answer is not change the man in the White House. The answer is not a, a political party. The answer is not get a, a, a different Supreme Court justice. The, the only thing that's going to help people and change people is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The power of God. Would you just stop a moment? Would you just stop and think, where would you be had the Lord not come in your life? Some of you would be divorced. Some of you would be in an addiction place this morning. Some of you would be on the street. Some of you would be waking up from a hangover today. Are y'all listening to me? 
Some of you be broken in a mess. Some of you may have been rich and have everything in the world and still be miserable. But I'm telling you, the Lord showed up in your life and God did for you what he did for this man. He changed you and he put you in his right mind and you're sitting in the house of God today. Don't get too excited. You're just gonna live as long as Jesus lives. Don't get too excited. You never have to worry about hell. Don't get too excited. I'm telling you, listen now. You, you watch your favorite football team play, we'll scream holler, shout, then we come to the house of God, sound like wooden Indians instead of screaming like Comanches, amen? We ought to be thankful for what God's done in our life and I'm telling you, but God didn't save you for you to hoard it. God didn't save you for you to hold it in. God didn't save you for you just to bask in what he's done. He saved you to go tell someone else what he did because Jesus knew there was a hell. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you believe in hell? Well, I, I believe everyone in here would say just what I heard already reverberated back to me. Yes, I believe in hell. But do you really believe in hell? See, it's one thing to say we believe. And it's another thing to say we believe. What do you mean? This is a false alarm. This is not true, so no one get nervous. But if I were to run in here and scream, there's a bomb in this church, there's not. Okay, I'm classifying that up front. If you're asleep, wake up for a minute and hear this part so you don't start running out the door in a minute and everyone knows you're taking a nap, all right? But if I were to say, there's a bomb, and it's going off in five minutes, you say, okay, that's good. Now, if you say, okay, I, I believe you, but you sat there, do you really believe me? If you really believe that there's a bomb that's going off in five minutes in this church, and there's not, in case anyone was napping, there's not, what are you going to do? I'm making a new door out of here if I have to. I'm getting out. You say, well, preacher, aren't you ready to die? Yes, but I don't want to go today. Not unless the Lord wants me to. I'm leaving. I'm getting out. I'm getting as far away as I can from this place. We say we believe there's a hell. When's the last time you aggressively told someone about it? When's the, time you, when's the last time you, on purpose, talked to someone about their soul? Do we understand this morning that these demons... We're so fearful. If you put the other accounts together, demons were so afraid that the, the Lord, when he cast them out, was going to put them in the abyss. They did not want no part of it. And that's where our lost friends and loved ones and families and neighbors are going. They're going to hell. They're not going to purgatory. They're, they're not going to the place down below, the bad place. They're going to go to hell. Does that even burden us anymore? We're so aggravated with sin and we're so fed up with the society and we're so fed up with the, this crowd and that crowd. And You know what the LGBTQ crowd needs? They don't need banners saying God hates you. They need someone saying God loves you and the only thing that's going to fix your lifestyle is Jesus Christ. 
You know what sinners need? They don't need us looking down on them for their drunken condition or their drug habit or their, their, their five broken marriages and their uh, mixed. But they need someone to come to them and say, hey, I was where you were. I was in the garden. I was bound in chains. I was in a mess. Religion couldn't help me. Society couldn't help me. This program couldn't help me. But I want to tell you about a man named Jesus. And I met him. And I didn't deserve it. And I didn't earn it. And I wasn't worthy of it. But he had compassion. He showed mercy. That's what Jesus said. You tell them I had compassion on you. It's the only reason we're here. Don't you stiff your your, your head up and your chest out and act like you're something. You're here today for one reason. The grace and the mercy of an almighty God that came to your tomb, came to your place, came to where you were and saved you and changed you by the grace of God. Don't pat yourself on the back for your standards and your convictions. It's the compassion and the mercy of God that you are where you are. And God says to you and I, go take that to somebody else. And I'm asking you this morning, do you really believe in hell? Well, preacher, hey, we know hell's real. Have you thought about hell? Have you, have, biblically, and I, I, I've got an outline and I've got everything alliterated, but let me preach for a few minutes and I'll be done. Do you understand? Luke 16 opens up hell for us and shows, I'm amazed at how little hell's even preached on anymore. I'm sure it's preached here, but I'm saying I get in a lot of places, they don't even want you mentioning the word. Hell's not a cuss word. It's a place. The world's tried to dumb it down by making it a cuss word to where we don't even flinch when we hear it anymore. But it ought to send cold chills from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet when we think about the place called hell. In Luke chapter 16, there's a story. It's not a parable. The Bible, Jesus didn't give a lie. He didn't give a fake narrative. He gave a story. The Bible said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in fair linen, uh, purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a beggar named Lazarus full of sores desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell. He lift up his eyes being in torments. Did you notice that? Pastor, it didn't say being tormented. He said being in torments. And that rich man said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me. And sin Lazarus said he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame, not by this flame. Do you understand that hell is a place of torments? We just think of the fire. We just think of the smoke, and that's bad enough. Well, preacher, you know, how can you have a place that hot? I don't have time to prove it, but here's what I can tell you. The Bible makes plain hell's in the center of the earth. Hell is growing. The Bible says it's getting larger, and the Bible science has proven the core of the earth is getting hotter, and it's getting larger. Hell's filling up. Are you listening to me? And I'm telling you, listen, and hell is a place of terrors. Revelation chapter number nine. In the tribulation period, God said for a space of months that he's gonna open hell and there's gonna be creatures come out of hell. The Bible said they're gonna have the stinger of a, of a scorpion. They're gonna act like a scorpion, but they're gonna have the body of a horse. And the Bible said that they're going to, that they're gonna torment the earth for five months. Now listen to me. If they're 
in the, if they're going to be on the earth and they're coming out of hell, guess where they are right now? They're in hell. And this rich man for almost 2,000 years has been experiencing the creatures. I'm sure God didn't even tell us all the creatures that are in there. You say, preacher, why would a loving God, why would a merciful God create such a horrible place? He didn't create it for you. Hell was never designed for humans. It was designed for devil and the angels because the only other place to be outside of the presence of God is there. Are you hearing me this morning? It's a place of torments. Can you imagine being in hell this rich man and the bible says it's a place of darkness preacher how do you how do you reconcile fire and darkness well i don't have to reconcile i just believe the book but do you realize just in the last 20 years science has proven that there's a flame so hot that it literally turns black and it turns invisible i forget the temperature it is way way hotter than what they use for glass blowing that's a, a bright white and a bright a very bright flame it's so so hot that it turns literally black and invisible. I don't think science has to prove the Bible. Bible proves science. Amen. But I'm saying there's a place called hell and God said it's outer darkness and it's a place of falling. You realize hell is in the center of the earth and the earth rotates on its axis. The earth rotates just fast enough that but have you ever seen a dryer clothes dryer and the clothes if it starts slowing down the clothes get to the top and they fall. They get to the top and they fall. They get to the top and they fall. Do you realize that's what's going on in hell? There's no stability. There's no partying in hell. There's no bud dumber in hell. There's no smoking weed in hell. There's no fornication and promiscuity in hell. Are you listening to me? There's no, there's no, listen, they're, they're cursing God one second and they're begging God to forgive them the next. I'm telling you, that is the real place. This ain't Marvel comic books. This ain't something Stan Lee comes up with this ain't something listen that the world has imagined that we cannot describe the reality and the harshness and the severity of the place called hell and we have grandmas and grandpas moms and dads brothers and sisters sons and daughters grandchildren aunts and uncles cousins neighbors friends church members co-workers that's heading there It's amazing to me how we know the Bible. We know God says a person has to accept Christ. And they'll live like the devil their whole life, never accept Christ, and they'll die. And what will most preachers and most people do? Well, they're in a better place. No, they're in hell. My grandfather, one of the most moral men I knew, I told y'all my testimony before, won't take the time again, but I was raised Church of Christ all my life. That's all I knew. I got saved at my end of my senior year of high school and gave my heart to the Lord and realized Church of Christ was wrong, but all my family was Church of Christ. I witnessed to my grandfather for years, Church of Christ believes you have to work for it. You have to earn it. You're not going to know if you're getting there till you get to heaven and hopefully your good outweighs your bad on the scales. They don't believe in the rapture. They believe in a general judgment and, and, and they, they, they believe that you've got to be baptized to be saved. 
saved. My grandpa didn't drink. My grandpa didn't cuss. My grandpa didn't lie. My grandpa was almost moral. He was my hero growing up. He was my friend and we fished together, camped together. I, as a kid and a teenager, when others were out smoking pot and doing all kinds of things, uh, pastor, I just soon spend time with my grandpa and, we, and my grandmother. We were close. And I'm telling you, when I got saved, they, they wanted nothing to do with me slowly. I got to where I could witness to them and I could come around again. But I'm telling you, on his deathbed, he asked for me to come. I asked for me to be there. And I'd witness to him and I'd say, Grandpa, you need to give your heart to God. He said, Son, I'm okay. I've been, I've been a Christian all my life. I've been baptized. I'd say, Grandpa, tears running down my face. I'd say, Grandpa, you got to trust Jesus. You got to believe in Jesus. He never would, never did. Just said he was okay. My grandpa is burning in hell today. Not that I don't say that lightly. You understand the greatest, one of the greatest men of my life is burning in hell. Though he was religious, though he was a good man, he was the best grandfather anyone could ever have, but he never trusted Jesus Christ. He's in hell today. And I can't tell you how many times that I've raked myself over the coals. I didn't know anything about soul winning back then. All I knew was to debate and argue baptism and doctrine. I didn't know just to give the gospel. I can't tell you how many times I've woke up over the years in a cold sweat knowing my grandfather was in hell and knowing just maybe I could have kept him out if I'd have been more aggressive, if I'd have been more concerned about his soul than getting along with him at the family reunion and staying in his house. Hey, listen, some of us, we're using excuses that one day we're going to stand before God and it's not going to make a hill of beans. What good is it if they're not mad at you but they go to hell? What good is it? What kind of neighbor are we if they're sick and we give them medicine? If they're hungry and we feed them? If they're thud, we give them clothing but we don't give them the gospel. If they go to hell with clothes and they go to hell with a full belly and they go to hell knowing we give them the shirt off our back, what have we really done for them? Hell's real. There's no, you say, preacher, well, surely God will show mercy. No, you're going to come out of hell long enough at the great white throne judgment. Say, well, I'll get a reprieve then. The Bible said that great white throne so scary and fearful, the earth and the heavens flee away. You're going to be pulled out of that. Best I can tell, pastor, in Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said there's going to be a crowd that's going to argue with the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name done many great works? And he's going to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Where's that conversation? When's the only time that conversation can take place? The only time I find Jesus and sinners talking in that sense of judgment is the great white throne. Now think about that. You know what that means? That means, brother, that for a thousand plus years minimum, if someone dies and the rapture comes today, a thousand years minimum, they're going to be in hell, they're going to be burning, they're going to be falling, they're going to be tormented, they're going to be in pain, they're going to be squalling, and after a thousand years, they're going to be pulled out. You say, preacher, I can't be deceived. Let me tell you how deceptive the devil is. After thousands of years in hell, he's going to pull them out. He's going to stand them before them, and they're not going to beg for mercy they're not going to plead for grace they're going to say we're okay I did this and I did that and he's going to say depart from me as they're bound hand and foot and cast into the lake of fire I never knew you I'm just asking you this morning do you really believe in hell 
What about that neighbor that you would give the shirt off your back? But you have not said, hey, can I, can I just tell you the gospel? Can I give you the, the gospel plan? Well, preacher, I don't want to make them angry. What do you think they're going to do when they see you behind the throne of Jesus at the great white throne and you're there participating? Not, you're not there as being judged. You're there as a witness. How do you think they're going to feel about you then? When you're grilled out with them, you work beside them every day on the job, You've seen that clerk at the grocery store. The, you know their first name. You know that waitress by name. You laugh and cut up and they know you're in church. And you never one time aggressively tried to give them the gospel. Now. I love the theme. Now. Now. I got plenty of time. They're not promised tomorrow. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, everything I've preached and a lot more straight from that book. It's real. Oh, I, I would have loved to preach a fuzzy, wuzzy message and make us all feel good. And I've got them and I love them. I love preaching encouraging. God's people are being pressed down and beaten down and we need encouragement. I understand that. But Jesus looked at this guy of all the three prayers, the one he wouldn't answer was, no, you don't need to be around me right now. You need to go tell someone else. Do you really believe in hell this morning? Well, sure I believe it, preacher. When's the last time you told someone about it? There used to be all-night prayer meetings for souls. There used to be Christians that fasted for their grandkids and their children and their friends. When's the last time you wept over someone being lost? I'm not asking what you believe in your head. But what we really believe, we will, it'll affect our behavior. And Jesus, just like for this man in our text, is looking at all of us saying, there's a hell, church, and real people are going. Do we care? We'll argue football. We'll talk about the weather. We'll argue politics. We'll talk about what the gas prices. We'll be standing at pumps and talk about the gas price and how crazy it is, how hot it is, how humid it is, and all these other things. And sinners are all around us, and they're dropping in hell. One, one person goes to hell. Statistics say a little under every three seconds. What if it's your grandkid next? More concerned about getting along at Christmas and Thanksgiving and the family reunion. You've never even really tried to tell that mom or that dad, that cousin, that brother, that sister. Folks, they're going to go to hell. I'm done. I'm just asking you, do you really believe in it? I believe the Lord. I believe all of us. I'm in a soul-winning ministry. That's what I deal with every day of my life. Do you know how easy it is? to ignore the souls around you. I'm, I'm not preaching as one that's arrived. I'm not preaching as one that has it all together. I'm telling you, I need to be reminded how real hell is. And then if you're here lost, I wouldn't walk, I'd run. Because I got good news for you. You don't have to go to hell. No sinner has to go to hell. Jesus Christ died for every sinner. He died for you. You've got to be willing to believe and receive Jesus Christ, admit you're a sinner, ask him to save you, forgive you of your sins. He'll come in your heart and make you a new creature. You can leave just like that man, saved in your right mind.
Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to ask you this morning, do you really believe? The Lord thought enough of hell and thought it was such a big deal. He told this man, no, you can't be near me. You, you, you got you to gotta go tell somebody. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to ask you a question this morning. I wonder if there'll be someone, no one's looking. The pastor's free to look. He's the man of God. He's the shepherd. I want him to. But you that are in the congregation, I wonder, is there someone that would say, Preacher, if I died today, I've heard the message. And if I died today, I'm not 100% sure I would go to heaven. I want you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up? I'm not going to come jerk you out of the seat or, or pull you. God bless you. God bless you. Preacher, I'm not 100%. God bless you. I'm not 100% sure if I died today, I would go to heaven. Anyone else? God bless you. I know sometimes when you preach a message like this and strong on hell, I've tried not to use psychology and stories, and I just believe let the Word of God work. You may be saved and might be confused, but if you're either way, you need to get it settled today. Anyone else, preacher, if I died today... I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. Is there anyone else like that this morning? Just put your hand up. God bless you. Anyone else? Now, you that raised your hand, I want to ask you another question. I'm going to talk to the Christians. You that raised your hand, if you, if you raised your hand and said, I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven, I want to ask you another question. If you are not 100% sure you'll go to heaven, but you're 100% sure you do not want to go to hell, would you put your hand up? Say, preacher, I do not want to go to hell. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven, but I promise you I do not want to go to hell. Would you just slip your hand up? You raised your hand already? I see that hand. I'm talking to those that raised their hand that they're not sure. Here's what I want to ask you. If God dealt with your heart, I'm sure there's people, there's counselors that would love to take a Bible. If you're a man, if you're a lady, if you're a boy or girl, and they will tell you how you can know you're going to heaven today. If God dealt with your heart while no one's looking, I want you to slip out and come to the altar. The workers will make sure someone talk to you privately. You can get this settled today. You can leave here knowing you don't ever have to go to hell. If that's you and you want that today, would you come right now? Just slip out. We're watching. No one's looking. Here's an easy way for you to come on out and say, I need to get this settled. Whatever you need, would you come? Just come on. I want you to stand. I think y'all normally used to stand and just stand. Heads are bowed. I want to ask another question. How many here are saved this morning? You know Jesus Christ is your Savior, but as you listen to the message, the Lord dealt with your heart and said, you say you believe in hell, but you're not acting like it. You're not witnessing. You're not doing. How many would be honest this morning and say, preacher, I am not living like I believe in hell. Could I see your hand? Hands up all over. God bless you. Look, if God dealt with your heart, why don't you come right now? Just come on. I don't believe in psychology and invitations. You know if God dealt with you. Just slip out of that pew, come to the altar and say, God, help me to keep it real in my heart. Help me not to forget how real hell is. Help me to not just want to give the shirt off my back to people, but want to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you can't kneel. Come sit on these front seats here. I've got arthritis. It's hard. Many are coming. If God dealt with your heart, would you come today?
We have a responsibility and the time is now. Now. Father, I promise to pray and I want to do that right now. God, I want to ask you to help me lest preaching to others I myself become a castaway. I, I want to be real and I want to have a burden. God, this is too serious. People are going to hell every day of our life around us. Would you help us, God, to be aggressive with the gospel? Kind, friendly, Christian, but aggressive with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray for every hand that went up that wasn't sure they're saved. I pray they're getting help. They're talking to somebody. God, getting that settled right now. And then, Lord, for many that raised their hand and said they're saved. But God, they, they're not living like they believe in a hell. Would you help them today? May we go and tell others what you've done for us and the compassion you've shown. God, if it wasn't for you, I'd be in a mess today. I'd be in worse shape than that Gadarene maniac, but for the grace of an almighty God. There's no glory in me. There's no good in me outside of you. God, would you help us? Use the message, deal with hearts, give the pastor wisdom in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. We're not going to rush this thing through. Everyone needs to make sure that, number one, when you leave here, you're saved today. And if you're saved, you need to make sure that when you leave here today, you have a burning desire to make sure somebody else gets there. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Are you hearing the knock this morning? Say, I know for sure. I know. Listen, I, I can tell I am being drawn by the Holy Spirit of God to trust Christ as my Savior. The second part of that verse says that he'll come in and he'll sup with us and I with him. That's that sweet fellowship we have with the Lord Jesus Christ after we get saved. And oh, it's wonderful. But could it be that we're enjoying that fellowship more than we are the fellowship of making sure others have that relationship with him? We're going to have another verse before we close. And I would encourage you here today, you've heard it clear, just about as clear as you're ever going to hear it. I pray you would not leave with Christ standing at the door knocking. Notice he says, go to thy friends. Could we really call ourselves a friend? Isn't that what the Good Samaritan was all about? Could we really call ourselves a friend with having a coworker, a neighbor, a family member that we have shared meals with, taken trips with, but never shared Christ with? Are we truly their friend? You can look up this morning. We were in California this past week, and obviously it's a different culture out there. And I looked at Brother AJ. We toured some of their pretty cities while our kids were at music camp and went to Santa Barbara, saw the beautiful shoreline community that is there, the mountains meet the sea, just a beautiful, beautiful place. And I said, you know, we don't have that in Mississippi, do we? We have the Gulf Coast, but we don't have what they have out there. I said, but you know, I wouldn't trade what I have in Mississippi for what they have there. Let me tell you why. Because time and time again, as a child, I heard the gospel presented, or the gospel preached clearly. We live here in the Bible Belt. We, what a great opportunity we've had here. We may not have all of the sights and the sounds of a big city, but we have the privilege of hearing the gospel, and you've heard it today. I believe Christ had something to say about, say about that. That woe unto us if we've had that opportunity as Bethsaida and Chorazon. If the mighty works of God that have been done here 
in Mississippi, in the Bible Belt of the South, had been done out there, as Sodom and Gomorrah, they may have already repented. What that means is we will give an account to God for the opportunity we've had here. We've heard the word of God preached. You've trusted Christ as your Savior. And God will not hold us guiltless for not sharing the free gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ with those that he's placed within our path. I pray, number one, this morning you know you're saved. What a sad, sad thought that you'd leave here not knowing that. Why would you spend another night restless and worried when you could know that you're saved? You could have good, sweet sleep tonight. Might even snore a little bit. You're sleeping so good. Why would you leave here not knowing? And then number two, if you know it, I heard two people this past week close to me went to heaven unexpectedly. Two people. Could be you. Could be me. Good news is I know where I'm going. Do you know where you're going? And then are you sharing what you know? I'm so thankful for the message today. I pray you did the will of God. I pray you did the will of God. If there's a question you have about salvation, a question you have about how to reach someone else, be sure to hang around. Look, lunch will wait. We can all afford to miss one. That's for sure. Lord willing, and look forward to having you back tonight, uh, 5 o'clock. With Trey, we'll be preaching again. Glad to have him here and looking forward. I'm, I'm going to ask you and your wife, if you would, would you go stand in the foyer? That way our folks can get by and get to greet you and see you. I'll be back there as well. If we can do something for you, please let us know. Brother Nate, do we have any announcements?